This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. It's the Power Breakfast here on Power 98.7. So let's deal with that uh, story while we, that we've been talking about, this whole incident with the VIP protectors. Uh, well, a lawyer representing Lavon Fisher, uh, who was one of those uh, assault, one of those uh, motorists, or at least one of those occupants of that vehicle, um, where they were assaulted, the occupants of which were assaulted by members of the VIP protection unit last weekend. Uh, well, the lawyers say he is suing the police for a million rand. Attorney Daniel Ilov, uh, who is representing uh, M- Mr. Fisher in his impending lawsuit against the police, says that uh, for now they are claiming a figure of one million rand, but the amount may be amended after all the medical reports have been ota- obtained. Uh, Mr. And then uh, the lawyers, uh, Mr. Ilov and Ulrich Ru, uh, who is also an attorney, are representing the other victims uh, who were in that car. And they've confirmed that none of the police officers have been charged as yet. The identities of the eight officers have also been kept under wraps as they have been uh, have not yet been uh, charged. Meanwhile, their victims have apparently been prevented from speaking out by their employer, the South African National Defense Force. Uh, let's find out more. Daniel Ilof is an attorney. He's uh, joining us on the line. Uh, good morning to you, Daniel Ilof, and thank you for your time. Good morning. Lovely to be here. Right. Let's just talk about what uh, we have established thus far. Obviously, everyone, all that we have to go on is that video that went uh, viral, which in itself seems to speak for itself. But what the video doesn't tell you really is about the circumstances of the incident, what happened, uh, you know, prior to what was we see on the video um, that led to that incident. Yes, um, so that's sort of been cleared up through the Mm. statements of the various witnesses that have been taken by the South African police force uh, in investigating this matter. And and quite simply, what what it seems to have been is that my client and the other occupants of the car were under the impression that they're being hijacked because they were cars, uh, you know, tailing right up against the car and trying to to push them off the road. And then suddenly people got out of the car and tried to smash open their windows. So you can imagine what a stressful situation it is to have been through. You know, these people getting out of a car, having assault rifles and various other firearms with them, and then trying to break open your window. Mm. Um, So so they, they were completely under the impression that this is a very dangerous situation that they were in. And unfortunately, they were very much helpless um, through the assault and, and being you know, violently uh, assaulted by these police officers, which they would, didn't know were police officers until very much later when the video surfaced and these, uh, these I would call them thugs, were identified as police officers. Also, at no point did they identify themselves to your client um, as being police officers or, you know, indicating that uh, your clients perhaps were interfering with their duties as police officers. Absolutely. I mean, that's what you would expect them to do is, is mm. if they uh, were there because they were arresting them or they were obstructing their job, they would get out of there and say, listen, we are police officers. 
Um, they, they would instruct him to stop, you know, getting in their way or doing whatever, but they simply didn't. They, 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 they were arrogant. They got out of the car and they just tried to take the, And I'm talking about the police officers. Now. Mm, they mm. just took matters into their own hands. Mm. What do you make of uh, the way the matter is being handled now? We see that, uh, well, um, it took a few days before the police, well, the police immediately uh, distanced themselves from the actions of him and condemned their actions. Uh, it took a while yet before they were charged. Uh, well, not even charged. From what I understand, that mm. they have now been suspended. Why is there some seemingly some kind of uh, special dispensation or arrangement for for these officers in this case? Why is there yes. been no charge for assault and so on? Yes, yeah, it, it reminds one of Animal Farm, where mm. where all animals are equal, mm. but some are more equal than others, right? Mm. Um, I mean, it, it it is rather bizarre, and as you highlighted in your introduction, um, it it it's rather bizarre that it's not only the police trying to to cover this up. We we're seeing my client's employer trying to silence him, not giving him support and basically ordering him not to speak to the media, which I've advised my client he should just simply ignore that unlawful order mm. because he is in within every right to speak to the media and to, to have his story be told. In fact, I think it's important in a democratic society that uh, people are able to, to do that. So it, it, it has been rather strange. And I, I think if I can sort of take off my legal hat and, and yeah. just put on my South African citizen's hat, mm. um, it, it, you can see there are forces at play here, right? Uh, there, there, there's a higher um, sort of attention taking place between the police, between the South African National Defense Force, which is my client's employer, mm. and, and obviously all the, the people involved. And we, we've seen those reports come out over the weekend about the, this being used as a, a political opportunity to to you know address other issues that might exist mm, mm. yeah this is also quite curious the behavior or at least the, how the employer has inserted themselves in an incident that happened not even while your your clients yeah. were on duty so i don't understand yeah. how the employer gets involved there Yes, and I mean, not not while they were on duty, not on uh, military premises, and and in fact, I mean, I would expect if if this were one of my people, you know, if it's one of one of my employees, yes, I would give my full support to to my employee. I would I would give send them to trauma counselling. Mm. I would uh, you know avail all my resources mm. to to try and assist them. But unfortunately, that's not what we're seeing. I I, I had personal meetings with uh, the upper echelons of the military, mm. and they just said when I asked them for reasons for the decision, they they couldn't provide reasons, but they just said that is their order and they will stick with it. Um, so, so there's definitely something going on, and only time will tell what exactly it is that's that's behind of all these bizarre mm. things happening. Mm. Are they at work though? Um, your client and his uh, colleagues are they uh, carrying on with their duties? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. they are at work, um, and and they're sort of continuing with their work, which I think in itself is also a rather difficult thing. It's a a traumatic thing to to have gone through yes. and be completely knocked out unconscious. But yes, they they are at work at the moment. So your client is the the gentleman that we see lying on the ground that uh, yes. looked unconscious. He's yes, yeah. yes, that's that's mm. unfortunately Mr. Fisher. Yes. Is, now, what what is Mr. Fisher's condition right now? I mean, it it, it looked pretty bad, but uh, um, I gather then seemingly that he was he is making a recovery from his injuries. But what were the extent of his injuries? 
Yes, I mean, he, he suffered some various physical injuries, abrasions over his head and hand and his whole body. Um, we, we still need to conduct some further investigations regarding if he suffered any serious head injuries, because that's, you know, the biggest concern is any type of brain injury with being knocked unconscious. But then I think almost more importantly, it's just the uh, psychological trauma yes. that he's put through. I mean, it's, it's yeah, mm. it's a very traumatic thing for him to have experienced. And, and regretfully, the only way to, to find out what extent that, that damage is, is to send him for evaluation and to find out. Right. And just real quickly uh, to conclude with, you are going the route of a, the civil suit route. Um, what happens then to the criminal element of this matter? Yes. So, so perhaps if I may just highlight, there, mm. there are actually sort of three processes going on. And mm-hmm. um, all three of them, Mr. Fisher's being assisted by Action Society, mm-hmm. the, the civil rights organization. Um, so, so Action Society have, on behalf of Mr. Fisher, lodged a complaint with IPUT. IPUT have already started the investigation, which we are obviously grateful for. Mm. Then uh, criminal charges have also been laid against the police officers. So there's the, the criminal uh, proceedings mm. that need to, to run its course as well. And then lastly, there's the civil claim where we're involved in, where um, uh, we're claiming against the, the mm. Minister of Police for damages suffered by Mr. Fisher. So those are sort of the, the three avenues being explored. Mm. Obviously, all three of them tend to take uh, you know a bit longer, as sure. I think a lot of South Africans are aware. <laughs> our, mm. our court process does take some time, but I have no doubt that justice will run its course. Uh, I mean, our courts are uh, b- very less susceptible to the power and political influences as the defense force or other mm. entities might be. Mm. So we're, we're hopeful that Mr. Fisher will get some sort of you know, justice, justice yeah. through that process. Yeah. Okay. Just while we have you there, I see you have a caller wanted to put a question to you. Ephraim, just put mm. your question uh, uh, qu- quickly to Mr. Yelov. All right. Morning, morning, Titi. Uh, yeah. I want to ask this question. Uh, the gentleman is not telling us the truth because you don't tell us what happened for them to be pulled off on the road. Uh, we, we deal with, we passing the police every day, every night, even the VIP protections, but nothing we saw those things. You okay. must tell us the straight truth what happened oh, hang on, for hang them on. to be pulled off. Okay. Uh, hang on, Ephraim, you're saying he's not telling the truth. Is there something that you know about this incident? No, there's nothing I, I know, but what he's telling us is on the video only. Okay, all right. He's not telling us what the client told him, what happened before they've been pulled off. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, so yeah. you, you do know what the clients told him? Ephraim? Pardon? Did you say that uh, what he's telling us is not what the clients told him? Is that what you said? No, I don't know. We all don't know. But he's the one who knows. Cause oh, I see. Okay. We saw the car pulling us off. We passed police. We had presenting president everywhere on the Okay. Road. All right. Let me get... Let's get... Okay, let's get a response then. Uh, Daniel, uh, uh, Daniel, you know, fully want to respond to that? Yes, uh, gladly. So I'll answer by highlighting two things. The one is everything's in my client's statements, which I think will will sooner or later become public knowledge, mm. and through his court case will obviously be disclosed as well. Those are statements that are made are under oath by my client and by the other occupants of the vehicle and mm. other witnesses, such as the person who took the video. Mm. Um, uh, quite simply, they were driving, and as these arrogant VIP protection unit uh, people tend to do, they were driving straight up against them while they were on the highway. So a very dangerous situation that they were in, hence why my client thought that they were being hijacked. I think we should also just mention 
the situation in South Africa at the moment. I mean, just a couple of months ago, um, some of the business rescue practitioners were killed. They were assassinated on the highway. So, I mean, I think it's very reasonable to have thought if you have this unmarked car driving straight up against you and to the side of you that you're in danger. Mm. So that's the first thing I I would highlight. Mm. The second thing that um, I I think is very important to mention here is that regardless of what might have happened on the road, the question is whether these members of the VIPT protection unit were justified in the action. So Mm. I I think the the counter question would be, what would the people have done to have justified this action Mm. by the police force? And I would simply put it, nothing. There's nothing that they could have done on the road which would have justified them being violently assaulted, knocked unconscious, mm-hmm. and um, you know, gone through this very traumatic process. Okay, uh, Manda and Alex, I gather you witnessed the incident. Yes. Okay. You know what happened? I was coming from Monte Casino uh, with my sons to watch the movie. When you are going to uh, Rivonia Road, just between Rivonia, there's a bridge. Mm. I think it's a main bridge or whatever that bridge, right? Mm. There were these VIP protection coming, and then they were chasing everybody out of the road. So this three, this white uh, colored gentleman, it was a uh, one lady on front, the driver, and the two gentlemen at the back. Mm. So they were moving each and every one of us from there out of the road. Mm. What happened? They refused to remove out of the road until one uh, black Mercedes Benz, I mean a uh, BMW, blocked them so that they can move. The other one came at the back. Mm. Out of these police officers, one he was carrying the rifle. Okay. He went and banged the wind, the back window to re- uh, mm. try to remove all the gas out. This is why all the scuffle started. Mm. Okay, the okay. time, the mm. time it was quarter past. I mean, half past to uh, to five somewhere there. Okay. And and then uh, uh, we advised the, the 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 driver who was conscious he'd been knocked by the gun. I okay. think uh, uh, somewhere by the head to go okay. to a Sunny Hill Hospital. Manda, thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, we we we're gonna have to leave it there. Thank you very much, Daniel Elof, as well for coming on. Always a pleasure. All right. Daniel Elf is an attorney representing one of the uh, gentlemen who was assaulted there, Lavon Fisher. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.